podcast where we discuss old school role playing from the player's perspective i'm legitimate mustard i play Ferrum, and i'm here tonight with hi this is gus and i play mira hi this is cognac and i play jazz hi and this is vig the errant elven cleric magic user hi i'm a exploding kitten and i play evelyn awesome so a quick overview of the session from the last um, session. Uh, we, the party headed north out of town. We left uh, Vigar behind. He stayed to do some things. I'm not sure what. Um, the people on the, on the cart path as we headed north looked concerned. They'd seen some bodies of the soldiers that we'd killed the night before, and that concerned them. Uh, we found those bodies. Wolves had gotten into them. Um, and we moved the pieces of the bodies off of the road so that they didn't disturb any more people. We approached a tee in the cart path, and we found a dead wolf with a large arrow in it. It had raven feathers as the fletching. Uh, we camped very nearby there. Um, Vig took some blue powder, uh, mumbled a little bit, and then he passed out. Um, oh, during the night, 16 wolves surrounded the camp. Uh, Petter took Ferrum's watch. Ferrum was really pissed about that, that he wasn't woken up for his watch. Um, so then Ferrum did a perimeter check of the camp, finds the wolf tracks, gets pissed again that there were wolves. Um, somebody in the party smelled some smoke. Vig, it wasn't Vig because he lost his sense of smell from the blue powder. Um, we followed the smoke to the family compound and noticed that part of it's on fire. We observed the compound from several hundred feet away. There were multiple dead bodies at the compound. Um, there were large arrows with black fletching shot from a significant distance at those dead bodies. Mira scouted around the outer wall. She found a back door um, and an additional body. Um, Evelyn, Petter, and Ferrum entered the front gate and approached the inner compound while the others watched from a safe distance. Heard some moaning from inside the inner compound. Ferrum approached the open door with a shield up and someone tried to stab him with a dagger. So Ferrum shield-charged, pinned the attacker to the floor, called for Petter to help disarm. Uh, Petter disarmed and then told Ferrum to get out, so Ferrum ran outside. Petter then brought out a young girl, about 20, with black disease spots covering her skin. Petter kind of threw her back towards the compound, and as she charged forward, he cut her in half with his two-handed sword, covering himself in blood and gore. Uh, we heard some more moaning from inside the compound. Um, the rest of the party came down to the compound at that point. Uh, Ferrum started opening the windows to figure out where the so- source of the moaning was without going inside the building. There was a very old man in a bed in the back of the compound. Uh, it appeared that his family had been caring for him to keep him alive, and uh, they were feeding him derby weed to keep him calm. Uh, Ernkel gave the old man some of the derby weed that Ferrum had been carrying. 
That calmed the old man down, but um, there wasn't really any chance the old man was going to survive there without his family to take care of him. So Ferrum asked Petter to kill the old man quickly with his sword, um, and Urkel and Ferrum went outside for that to happen. Um, and then Vig found some black awfulness in one of the two uh, water wells inside the walls of the compound. And that's about where we left off. So, that was a lot of things. Um, any comments on that so far? I think still comments on why are we getting involved in all of these humans? I mean, they're just humans. They will reproduce like rabbits. They can come back and repopulate this place. Take the dead guy and toss him into the black stuff, and then let's burn the black stuff. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I, why were I, we so so concerned about burying all the bodies that were dug up. Really? They're dead. It seems like a constant issue we have is deciding what to do with these dead people. But, I mean, if necropoison's going around, then we definitely probably want to burn them. Yes, fire is good for necropoison. Yeah. I I think it's important that we found those obsidian-tipped raven feathers earlier on in in that game. Um, And now... We're seeing, I think, similar arrows, right? And did, then I, yeah. Did we see those kind of arrows before? We saw them when we were east, or let me see, when when we were looking at all those wolf bodies. Okay, yeah, um, yep. And remember, her uncle was discussing that it was bad luck to find carrion uh, bird feathers, and um, and now Jazz has recently found a big raven feather um, also at the scene where the necropoison event took place. Yes. But we haven't seen that type of arrow anywhere else in the campaign so far, have we? Um, Well, we saw the arrows that were pointing in um, toward the house as well. So we saw it in two two parts last session. But all Um, in the last session. We haven't seen them in previous sessions, right? Right. No, not that I know of. Okay, I didn't remember so it that. So indicates else the same people. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. And they're very large arrows, like like significantly long, which would indicate that they come from uh, people or humanoids or something that are very large, because they would need to be very large to be able to utilize arrows that size. So that's kind of interesting. Um, the fact that they're the fletchings are made of raven feathers is interesting because those are scavengers or carrion and um that would not be common to use that kind of feather um so so where do they come from whose are they uh who's that big many many questions we, i don't think that we have answers for yet <laughs> is this going to be our big baddie or is it just a distraction it might be the big baddie for this small little side quest thing but right i don't know yeah. we'll see um so the necro disease how does it spread do we do we know anything about that yet do we want to we'll probably do, do we care why well because there's one of us has touched someone who had it so if it spreads by touch then we need to know that we can't touch that person 
So we watch Petter. If he starts getting it, we chop his head off. Yes. Problem solved. If he doesn't get affected, we know it's probably not touch. It probably is touch. But, you know, we just keep an eye on him and chop his head off. Yes. We still can't chop his head off because oh, yeah, it he'll seems like it's touched by contact blood. Yeah, so we can't do that. We could maybe shoot him with arrows and then and then maybe we could shoot him with flaming arrows. I liked your idea earlier in the chat about the cyanide that this character had. I not yes. the character has. I'm a chaotic good character carrying cyanide. I love this. This is just so cool. So what would happen if I dumped cyanide on this thing in the um, well? Does that work? Is that how cyanide in real life works? That you can just dump it on someone and it would hurt them? Or does it mm -hmm. have to be ingested? Uh, it's ingested. Yeah. Or breathed in or somehow getting inside. So I'm not really sure it would have any effect. I think it would be much more fun that uh, if I put uh, my blue powder onto the necro blob, that could be interesting. That could be interesting. I'm really curious, how did the necro stuff get in the well? I'll bet you they found someone that was infected, they somehow tossed him in the well, and it just consumed him. I'll put money on that. Would you put a dead person in your water source, though? There isn't water in this well. We can see all the pee, all the food and stuff and bones that were down at the bottom of the well. There's no water in this well. But there may have been at one point. Long time ago. It's been eating and there's no water. Right, but how did Dry it get well. there originally? Would there have been water? Did, did a bird fall in? Maybe maybe that's what happened. Maybe they had a, uh, a diseased bird that fell into the well. It's a shallow well. It's a 12-foot dug well. I wouldn't be surprised with just a dead pit for a long time hmm. why do we think that the family has kept feeding and feeding it like what's the point of carrying on with this potentially dangerous disease because there are pieces of animals down there farm animals that were obviously tossed down um, there are symbols of fray and another deity around the outside of the well I will bet it came from nature, and they're worship, worshiping it as some kind of divine nature gift to them. Gift you think, in quotation you think that they believe it came from nature? Oh, yeah. Well, else would you be feeding it? So it doesn't eat you, maybe? <laughs> if you had it pinned in a well and you thought it was evil, you would try to burn the damn thing. Just start tossing hot coals down at that. Maybe they are. Aaron has never seen anything like this in nature, so. Yeah, and and why why would they not go and ask for help if they were fearful of it? If they were fearful fearful of it, they're pretty close to Vithir and to the the River Watch town. Um, so why would they not ask for help? I have a I have a theory about that, and it's probably just because of how independent this family is and wants to be, and they just don't want to have any contact or be beholden to anyone who uh, helps them. That may be part of it. I, I don't know for sure. And now we can't ask them because they're all dead. 
Yeah. So, so they were feeding it um, pigs and cows or something like that, but they would kill them on the spot and then bring it back. So that probably means it doesn't need fresh meat to eat either, right? It can just eat decaying meat? Yeah, yep. Does that indicate that it's kind of like undead or something? No. no. Not in the slightest. It's it just, just means it's consuming. To me, it's like it's just a giant... It's a giant blob of protoplasm, basically, that devours things. Okay. I honestly think tossing my blue powder won't do anything because it doesn't have a brain or a nervous system. Neither would cyanide. However, hot coals, I think, will do an awful lot to annoy it. Probably. I'm hoping that that kills it, but we'll see. We had also talked in the chat about possibly burning um, Petter's skin. Um, I don't think he'll go for that, but yeah, might be a solution. <laughs> a really awful solution. Could leave him interesting scars, you know, and then come up with a nice story about him, about the many battles. And and in real life, people have done things that are probably more more painful or just as painful as that to get rid of their diseases. Um, for instance, like look at Game of Thrones too, where they have this wasting disease and uh, Mormon goes and carves out his face to get rid of the the gray disease. So. I mean, if we can find a way to save Peter, it might hurt momentarily, but it's probably going to be worth it in the end. I mean, cauterization is a well-known for centuries and thousands of years of a means to treat infection. It is. It's also really barbaric to apply. Sure. We can give him a piece, we can give him a piece of wood to chew on. Yeah. But We're we, not too uh, far from barbarians. Do we have any of that... Um... Anything that can dull his senses so he doesn't feel it so strongly? We do. Oh, yeah. We have a couple of things. Mm-hmm. One Maybe of them, that's a good solution. One of them might actually cause it to be worse, potentially. Um, but, you know, don't really know for sure. We can just hit him on the back of the head with a hammer. We could, yeah. That would work, too. So, um... Hey, ah. Yeah, go ahead. Speaking of Peter, um... Why do we think that he would risk his life, even though he knows what this disease does? And he doesn't originally didn't have any indication of wanting to stay with the group until Ferrum talked to him. So why risk his life for basically strangers? He's a fallen paladin. He has a death wish to aim, to aim for redemption for his soul. Yeah, he uh, he's been kind of borderline suicidal since we since we found him um, if, if you point him at something with no armor toss a dagger in his hand strip him down naked and say go attack those heretics since even though it's an overwhelming force he'd probably do it probably yeah mm-hmm. he does have a one um, one kind of thing to drive him right now he has the uh, the deaths of the, the silver scales um, soldiers that we we had found the Talbirds for them buried behind the Huntsman's Lodge and he would like to um, have some vengeance for that so that that's basically the only thing he has at this point that's 
um, that might drive him to want to survive this, but yeah, he might not yeah. also. And we haven't mentioned the interspecies war that we're probably sitting in the middle of. There is there is an interspecies war that we're probably sitting in the middle of, yeah. And if, and if something does happen or one exquisitely coiffed group shows up and White's one slightly scruffy group shows up, Vic is just going to sit down and go, hey, excuse me, when you two get done, would you join us for a cup of tea? We're going to be over here off to the side while you settle your differences. Thank you. Goodbye. Yes. So this this family's camp there or their, their homestead or whatever it is, it was recently attacked. We know that it was attacked between the time that the priest was there and the time that we arrived. Um, we know that the torches were burned down. Um, so that means that they were lit when the people were attacked because they, they have burned completely. Um, so it's now noon or about noon. That means that several hours have passed since the attack happened. Um, the gate of the compound was open from the inside and some of the family actually walked out in their, in their sleeping clothes. Um, others died on the walls. The whole family was wiped out. Um, we know that the family was apparently worshiping the necro disease in the well. Um, the people that were on the walls don't actually appear to have been armed. They appear to have been, they had weapons nearby, but they didn't have weapons in their hands when they died. Um, and Petter has noticed that the, the young girl, um, that was diseased, uh, had been eating the necro stuff out of the well. She had a single place setting set up in the dining room of the of the house. Uh, there's a plate filled with black diseased f- flesh. So the question is, who did the family open the gate for? Probably the same people that, um, well, not necessarily the same people that shot the arrows. Could be two separate groups. One could have been a decoy. And why were they fleeing? Because you're not going to walk out in the snow in your evening clothes. I don't know that they were fleeing. If they were fleeing, wouldn't they have taken something with them? Not if they didn't have time. I think that they opened the gate and went to meet someone. You wouldn't do that in your evening clothes. You'd invite them in and not step out. Maybe. It depends on who it was. I still think they were fleeing. And if they wouldn't open the gate for the priest, why did they open the gate for something else? I think that we noticed that most of the um, the arrows came from outside of the compound, not inside the compound. So I don't know that we can say that they were necessarily fleeing. However, we do know that a lot of the bodies inside the compound had been chewed on or something. So at some yep. point, someone yep. was inside the compound. Which means we're sitting ducks. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Sitting ducks, roasted geese. <sighs> so why did the family not fight? They didn't have weapons at all. Why Why did they not fight? Well, the other aspect is... Maybe they were locked in and then they got out at the end. Would you have a crazy infected thing like the daughter was running around outside? 
Uh, if I needed to keep her away from me, yeah, I'd lock her outside. No, I mean, she was inside the fort, in the building. Maybe they were locked in this building. Oh, maybe. Uh, no, but the priest saw people on the people with weapons on the walls. Yes. Or maybe these were locked in the building and got out at the end. They just hadn't gotten around to figuring out what to do with them. I think there's only the one body that showed any necro disease, though. Just the girl. And all the bodies are cold. Yep. And frozen. So, so could it be that they just shot arrows, everyone came out to investigate, and then um, after they continuously like shot arrows into people killing them, that they went through the gates and forced them open? Or did we notice that the gates were not forced? The gates were not forced. The gates were open from the inside. So it may be that the people who went outside, maybe they knew they were outmatched and they opened the gate to try to make a deal. I don't know. I wouldn't want to open the gate, I don't think. I don't think that would have been a a good idea. Could they have uh, opened the gate to take an offensive posture, maybe, and try to charge in? Yes, but they didn't have weapons. They didn't have weapons that we see here, right? Right. But there were weapons inside the fort. There were weapons, like, stashed around the positions on the walls. But none of the people on the walls had weapons on them when they died. Not their bodies. Right. So that indicates either the weapons were removed, or this was someone they trusted so much that they didn't need to be armed. Or they never saw the attack coming. Yeah. And that it happened very, very quickly. But even then... Why did someone open the gate and go out? Either way, I think we want to leave. Torch it, burn it, and leave. Yes. So, the bodies that were not killed with arrows had their throats torn out, and they were gutted with several of their organs consumed, um, specifically the ones on the walls. So, that's probably not a person doing that. Like, I mean, I don't know very many people that would be able to tear out the throat of others and then eat the organs very easily. That's symptomatic of, that's symptomatic of large predators. Large predators will ignore muscle mass. The organs are the ones that have the great highest nutritional value. Um, the throat is the easiest way to kill, so they will normally target the throat to choke, take down the animal, and then consume the highly nutritious organs first. In fact, they will quite often frequently leave the muscle mass for the carrion scavengers because it's not much use. So a maybe a bit of foreshadowing. We keep seeing wolves. We keep seeing um, tracks from wolves. We keep actually being surrounded by wolves. Um, but they're regular wolves. They're not anything too special. Um, is that some sort of foreshadowing, do you think? Can wolves be infected with the disease? Yes. Yes, they can. So I wonder if that had something to do with it. I wonder something else. I don't think they were wolves or have been diseased because I think we would have seen evidence of that. But Mm -hmm. I think there might be a thing related to wolves that might be a thing. Yes, and they could very easily take us out. 
very easily. Yep. Mm-hmm. Does it? These do came think... from from the wolves. What's that? Perhaps the disease came from some of the wolves. It could have. Um, I I don't think it. Well, meta knowledge. I don't think it did because of the other stuff from the other campaigns. Um, it could have been spread by the wolves potentially. I don't think so because I think we still would have seen some evidence of that. We've seen a dead or we've seen two dead wolves, and they didn't have any sort of uh, disease on them. Um, I think they probably would have because they're a pack animal so that if it were going to spread that way, it probably would have spread. Um, but I think that the wolves are related to the problems in the north, not necessarily the, the disease. I think that's a separate thing. Um, I think that there are probably some werewolves is what I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Werewolves mm. and maybe vampires, who knows? But, um, do you think that when Jazz and Peter knew that they were surrounded um, by wolves, 200 feet away, 16 wolves, was that something they should have woken up the group for? Or was it wise to just maintain calmness and watch to see if they were going to be attacked? It would have been really bad if the wolves had attacked. They would have been able to wipe us out because most of us were out of our armor. Um so that would have been really bad um however if we had woken everybody up then there wouldn't have been any healing for the night either so it's kind of you know because nothing happened it's probably better that you didn't wake anybody up but if something had happened it would have been really bad so you know it was a chance it was yep yeah so maybe in the future jazz would wake everyone up but what if waking everyone up, the wolves noticed the ruckus and then um, attacked based on that? That too. could happen, so. too. Um, you know, it could it could just be that these farmers just happen to move into the werefolk territory and they're kind of going, our territory, get out. That could totally be. Um, you know, mm-hmm. as, they, as they move north and graze their animals north, there's going to be some losses, too. Um, to wild animals and maybe they just went a little too far and got into the territory that maybe they weren't supposed to be in. Could be. Which is why I say we just invite them in for tea. The wolves? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a grandmother in your bed that looks like a wolf or anything, James. It's a howling monster. If they're werefolk, depending on the form they have, they're highly intelligent. They are. And not nece- and not necessarily immediately combative. They're very ter- very territorial and they will not attack needlessly. And they will only attack if they view you as a threat or food. Or if they know they have superior numbers and that they're, you know, going to win by just superior numbers. Yeah, but they're not that they're not really into chaotic battle if they can avoid it. So in in that case, it would probably behoove us to get one of the wolves separated from the others if they're actually werewolves. Because they're pack animals. That would feel bad. No, no, no. No, no, that's a really bad idea. Because they would, at that point, the pack would come in and go, yeah, you have one of ours. That's the declaration of war. Yeah, I think that might cause um, 
a bit of a thing. <laughs> a thing. A slight thing. <laughs> Sounds fun. So how annoyed is Gustafur now? Other than him attempting to piddle on Vig's cloak, which Vig is really upset that he... <laughs> well, but Vig can't smell it, apparently. Not much got there. So Vig can't smell cat pee. It doesn't smell it, so I'm really upset that I can't complain about cat pee smell for the next three episodes. Really, <laughs> I was looking forward to that. I was looking forward to whining about it. What's Gustopher doing? Currently? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, if Gustopher... Def- detects where things around which are technically dogs he is really not going to be a happy purring kitty no he's not i don't think he's going to be happy about it maybe he's a were cat he's not a a normal cat he's definitely not a normal cat but no i I picture gustopher now if we have where things around turning into the fur ball from hell It'll be interesting to see him in a, in a good fight. but um, So I think we've covered most of the stuff I had in my notes. Do you all have any other things you want to cover real quick? I think personality development's getting kind of interesting. Yeah? Which ones in particular? Well, I think all of them. I think we've got the River Warden. That exploding kitten plays kind of becoming, I would say, a wayward river warden. Maybe see, maybe becoming a bit disenchanted. I think we've seen the druid kind of stepping up to be a little bit, shall we say, more violent than a typical druid would be. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I, um, I would have to agree with that. I'm not really sure where that came from, but um, she definitely. Um, can defend herself and kind of hold her own so that's pretty cool yeah she's kind of a badass <laughs> yeah, and she's a halfling I mean really a halfling since when are halflings badasses really she's not even a fractional badass she's like a whole badass I know <laughs> and we've got the river warden away from the river like how did that happen Yes. How'd you agree to that? Uh, I know Vig has decided, being an elf, that you know humans are essentially the rabbits and vermin of the world, and elves are superior. So why are we wasting time trying to follow up on these lower races? Yeah, Vig has been playing that card a little bit more heavily lately, which has been interesting. Nobody's really oh yeah picked up on that so much yet. I don't think, but it's definitely I think been played. It's just weird. We're choosing to ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I'm seeing how misaligned I can be. (laughs) All right. Uh, I've been giving, I'd say I've been giving, shall we say, not so subtle warnings for various characters about my alignment that I'm choosing to not so subtly ignore. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Yep. You're gonna get Bowling your alignment. With the skeleton head. Yeah, your alignment's mm-hmm. gonna get modified at some point. I'm afraid. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's gonna be great. 
Alright. You really worship Frey if your alignment changes to evil. Yeah, that's gonna be problematic. Well, no, you could still worship. No. Yeah, Frey's chaotic good. I could. Yeah, well, you could be chaotic. Well, just. Neutral. Chaotic neutral? Yeah. I'm chaotic good right now. Yeah, you could be chaotic neutral and still be good with Frey. Still worship Frey? I could, yeah. Kind of ties in there. I mean, I, I'm, I'll be I'll be good as far as elves are concerned. Yeah, I don't know if that if that's good enough I, in the eyes of Frey, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Jazz, has he been behaving like an elf would? He is behaving like a pretentious elf would, and <laughs> he is doing a good job at that. Um, and I think Vig just likes. Uh, feeling holier than thou and and also i think that he wants to help all the elves out and doesn't want us to forget about these elves that are missing because it has not been a priority on anyone's mind but his really definitely hasn't i hope that we can get to those things we have so many uh there's been so many carrots kind of dangled in front of the the uh, party at this point i'm hoping that we are able to kind of keep track of all of those things and that's something we didn't do in previous campaigns is actually like go on all the small side quests and and explore and do those things. We were like main quest, stay on it. No time for these other things. We've gotta go. We, we gotta keep going. Yeah, exactly. We we need to make more time for skull bowling. Come on. We should have done more skull bowling. Yeah, Petter didn't like it when I was skull bowling, when Ferrum was skull bowling, so yeah. It was fun. We can do skull bowling. We sh- we should. Once once Petter's gone, we'll we'll do some more skull bowling. <laughs> it can be his final vision as he's sitting in a corner, leaning against a great oak tree, soon to pass, unable to do anything, as we engage in a great game of skull bowling in front of him. Um, his last act will be no one. skull bowling. Oh come on. Petter's last act will be to like shake his finger at the at the party in an accusing way. <laughs> oh, we have to. We probably do. So we're at time. Um, so that's all I've got for the World of Cloth Players podcast for tonight. Thanks to everybody for hanging out. We'll talk again in a week. Good night, everybody.